2: This is a journey into sound. Welcome to a Rocket Pod Expo episode of Cobras and Fire with special guest Chris Sinczak of Decibel Geek. Today we're covering Anthrax, the Bush administration. Sound of white noise. Stop 442 and the Lost Albums Volume 8, The Threat Is Real, and We Come For You All. Plus dick jokes and potato chips. Don't be for I am the Joe.
0: Get away with murder. Get away with a foo. Do I have a deal of me? It's below by you. Get away with murder. What do I and tell me to be loved by you to be loved by you to be loved by you
2: Welcome to Cobras and Fire. I'm your host, Loose Cannon, and I am joined, as not always, with my side action, Chris sinzek How are you, sir?
1: Am I the, I'm the Loose Cannon side piece? Yeah, man.
2: I'm pretty, pretty excited. I haven't been with another man for a while.
1: Yeah, we've gotten closer over these last few years, huh? hmm
2: Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you, you get a little uh, action from Baco, and he's, uh, you know, I, I understand that Aaron Camaro is slumming with him on another episode.
1: Yeah, there's like weird um, love triangles going on between the the mothership and the and the Cobras in the Fire.
2: Yeah, so I have to say that the last time actually you and I recorded, I know you've done with, with Baco, but I think it's been four years. Wow, has it been that long? I think so. I think the last time you were on, it was either the Alice, maybe it was Alice Cooper, but that still was was three and a half years ago.
1: Wow. Well, I, although if we're not counting the Five minute interview we did at the end of the first expo. Oh no, I'm not counting that. I'm counting that, okay. like,
2: an official, an, an official capacity. It was that, and it was the uh, three sides of a shilling episode. If you recall. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right in the beginning. So, what do you think? It's been four plus years. You've inspired such a. Uh, you're, you're you're building quite a legacy.
1: <laughs> a legacy of dick jokes from you guys, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, I. Uh, I I've I've enjoyed watching your show grow. I follow your show. You're one of the go-to ones that whenever it comes out, I automatically listen to it. And um, yeah, I'm really proud of how you guys have done. And you have definitely been killing it with interviews lately. So the um, the Karabi interview was great.
2: Oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, uh, I enjoyed when his dog uh, shut the was
1: shut the dishwasher. <laughs> yeah, that was my highlight. <laughs> Yeah, he, um, I, it's weird. You know, Karabi does so many interviews, but I never tire of ever listening to him talk. He just, I could listen to him talk all day.
2: He just goes. He's one of these guys that you learn pretty quick. It's, it's best to say your, your quick question and then just step aside and he'll give you a lot. You know what I mean?
1: I also learned don't go drink for drink with him when you're doing an interview. That was a, God, that was a bad idea when we did the Molly Crew albums Unleashed. Oh, we, I, I staggered literally out of the bar that night. Before we go into the subject at
2: hand, would you like to transition into something coming up this August?
1: Yeah. The um, Rock and Pod Expo Part 3 is happening August 10th. Uh, the Expo will be August 10th. We're doing a really cool pre-party concert the 9th. That same venue. Everything's happening in one place. It's happening at the Nashville Airport Marriott this year. Uh, bigger venue. uh, I think cooler guests this year and uh, Cobras and Fire's coming back. That's like the big highlight, right? <laughs> sure. That's going to sell the tickets. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, exciting. Um, stressful, crazy. Like it always is. Um, but yeah, just, you want me to go over some of the guests? Yeah. Break down those dates again. Okay. August, uh, Friday, August 9th is the pre-party the night before it's at the national airport, airport Marriott cumberland ballroom um and that'll be with the rock and roll residency which features members of ace and jeans band yes also um a band out of the cookville tennessee area called eight ball and also lipstick generation who you may know because they have a podcast called the lipstick panel so we actually have a band performing that are also podcasters at the pre-party so that's kind of cool
2: yeah and i've heard their show uh and i heard that when um who's the main guy in there uh, Greg Troyan. There we go, Greg. I've, I've heard when Greg was on there. That was a pretty funny episode, whatever that like sneak peek of the Torpedo Dudes episode. Oh, yeah. Dad.
1: Yeah, that was that was a crazy day. But yeah, he he did that with us. He also did a full Thin Lizzy History yeah. uh, episode with us. He's a great guy, and his band's really cool, too. So um, that'll be a good show to start off the weekend. If you are a music podcaster and you want to be part of the thing, um, if you register as a platinum podcaster, you get to be part of – The first thing that's actually happening Friday afternoon before the pre-party is we're going to have a podcast mixer where we'll have drinks served and, you know, podcasters can meet up and network and kind of just kick off the weekend and make plans and do stuff like that. Saturday um, will be the expo. It's going to start at 11 a.m., go through about 6 p.m. And some of the guests we have, uh, kind of the headliner is Michael Sweet from Striper, who I know you guys are familiar with. Oh, yes. I'm trying to get him to do a pirate impression while he's there, but he hasn't committed yet hello mateys this here is
2: michael sweet i am here to announce that sweet and lynch will have a new album out in 2020 called squish the best of sweet and lynch it will have 10 tracks off our first album and none off the second.
1: Also, Jason Beeler from Saigon Kick, Brian Forsyth from Kicks, Erie Vaughn from Danzig is coming back. Baco did a great interview with him yep. and also uh, did a great job moderating his panel last year. Also, uh, Jack Gibson from Exodus is coming this year. Rick Rule from Every Mother's Nightmare is coming back. And he was a character the first year, so I'm excited to have him back. Uh, Jeremy, now, is, Bar- is, Michael, is Michael Butler from Exodus coming too? I don't think so. I can only book one Exodus basis per year. Um, also, uh, Jeremy Barber from Green Jello, Drew Fortier from Zen from Mars, uh, Drew and Jim from Wildside. Oh, boy. Okay, we get it. You can stop now. And uh, uh, Toby Wright, the producer, is coming back this year. I'm excited to have him back, and he's excited to come back. We got the
2: dates, we got the place, Rocket Pod Expo. We're good.
1: Uh, A guy named Steve Barnett from a band called Pump 5 that's on High Vol Music. uh, High Vol Music will also be having a booth there, so Bill Chavis from that record company is going to be in town. I'm excited to have him. Got um, exhibitors and and vinyl vendors lined up. Let's wrap this up. Of course, dozens of music podcasts coming into town. We're going to have some live podcast sessions. We're going to have the Podcaster Jam, and it will not get cut after four songs this year, I promise. Do you pinky swear? Otherwise, it's not legal. Um, also, uh, a lot of the guests are doing signing sessions, meet and <sighs> greet. Most of the guests tend to do free autographs, so hopefully that'll stay true this year. Rubbers and fire. Welcome um, by to the booth. Jerk socks, face fans, journey wipes. We're gonna have a rock and metal music museum, which is gonna basically be like stage Jesus played Christ. and worn. Come I mute? Um, we're gonna. Have, this is another new thing we're doing this year. We're having rock themed cosplay. So. Ooh. There will be several uh, attractive females dressed as some of your favorite rock stars walking around. Nice females this year. I like it. I uh, know. I had, you know, it's costing me a lot. but no, i was just kidding. Um, uh, also, uh, raffles and prizes will have some really cool stuff to raffle off. And... Uh, I can't, I can't. Okay. That's it. I'm playing you off
2: like the Academy Awards. You're out of time. You're not picking up on social cues. And just,
1: you know, a lot of community. That's kind of the biggest thing about it is, you know, so many people, so many friendships have been formed through this thing for two years. And I'm sure it'll happen again this year. And as I was going to mention, if you're a music podcaster or you want to be a music podcaster and you register, um, to be a podcaster at the event, there's different levels of registration and, um, we're going to have an education track, which will have speaking sessions on, you know, ways to build your audience, ways to do video podcasts, ways to transition to it, ways to do live remote recording. Because Somebody know, get the hook! Podcasters like to go on location and do interviews with bands before and after shows, and there's always that irritating noise Well, I'll have somebody there that will tell you how to get the most out of oh, your equipment. for fuck's sake, give up. And also... Uh, all that stuff. And then we're going to have live podcast sessions all day that'll be professionally recorded and divvied out to the shows afterwards. So, um, and I'm still working on guests. There's still, they're, as you know, uh, we never stop until almost the week of the show announcing guests, and that won't be any different this year. Can you hear me? Yeah. Well, I've been trying to get your attention for a while. I've been busting your balls doing your whole spiel,
2: but uh, I was on <laughs> mute. <laughs> now, if I could ask for just a li- little more on the. What I thought was really cool is the the pre party. Is uh, describe the, for for and if anybody's like on on the you know considering going. Describe who the rock and roll residency is. Besides the fact that yes, they are Ace and Jeans back in band, but what kind of show they usually put together and, and things like that.
1: Oh sure, uh, it's really cool and like a, I'm spoiled because I live here in Nashville and get to see right. these guys all the time. But if you've never seen them live, I mean they're worth the trip alone because. Well, a they're amazing musicians. They, they and they you know they they play in Ace and Jean's band for the right reasons. They both they all three grew up just obsessed with Kiss and they know every song forwards and backwards. But the residency show is basically a '70s rock cover show, but with a lot of twists. Like they, I mean, you're going to hear the songs played as faithfully as possible by amazing musicians, but they also have tons of guest stars that just get up on stage. And if you don't know, I mean damn near everybody lives here now and right. and, and those guys know all those people. I have seen some jaw-dropping performances of guests with them. I uh, you know, Alice Cooper freaking got up there with them one night. Um that was that was insane. Yeah. Same, that was my first Alice Cooper show. First time I saw Alice Cooper was in a small club with the residency. And uh That's awesome. How many did you do? 3 songs? 2 songs? He did like 4 or 5. Wow. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, it was like 20-30 minutes it was it was really cool and um but he's that robin zander from cheap trick has gotten up there with him i mean, uh, derek saint holmes is a regular guy who who jumps up on stage with him and yeah if you haven't heard these guys play stranglehold with derek saint holmes singing i mean it's Ooh. it's amazing so you get all the all the good nugent material without the political commentary <laughs> that's perfect <I laughs> yeah like you get you get the no. solo without the uh yeah, exactly. I mean I don't I don't like Nugent's music, I just like his politics.
2: Then anthrax. What was your gateway drug?
1: Anthrax. I got into uh, first. I initially my first exposure to anthrax was "I'm the Man," I believe. Um,
2: I was. Was I?
1: Yeah, I was listening to a lot of hair metal at the time, and that was all I was really into. But my brother had a friend that would drive us around, we'd go to the mall like everybody else did in those days, and and he would play the cassette of "I'm the Man" over and over and over and. I do remember it being cool because it was just so. It was just so different from everything else, and um, although I didn't know until like decades later that the the chord progression is, well, I don't even know what the name of it is, but it's like this old traditional Jewish thing, you know, da 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 it is pretty funny. I had, I had no idea until Scotty Ian mentioned it in an interview. I'm like, oh god, that is what that is, yep. but it's um you know it's a, it's it's a it's pretty much a dumb song but it, it was revolutionary for its time um but my f- best friend growing up as i was getting into kiss majorly he was getting into anthrax majorly and he loved the belladonna era stuff like you know like he definitely had persistence of time state of euphoria he loved all that stuff so it did it did rub off on me and i i eventually got into it more it was just weird though to go from hearing i'm the man being the only thing i really heard from them and then getting into the older stuff going wow this is way different from that um but yeah it was that was kind of that's how i got into how about you Uh, pretty similar yeah i'm the
2: man was the first thing i ever heard by them and and then also i had no idea well first off did you know it was sam kendison
1: on the oh oh (laughs)
2: on that EP, too, I was like, man, the song I really like on this EP is a song called Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath.
1: Yeah, I remember I did love that, too. Yeah, it was like one of the first Sabbath songs I ever heard was through them. I never heard
2: that. There. You know, that was the first time
1: I heard that song, is my point.
2: Yeah, and me too. Yeah, okay, cool. So, I was like, you know, they, they just seem so different. I mean, here they were, this metal band that, uh, you know, the guitarist wore a public enemy t-shirt, but then <laughs> you it was, it was kind of jarring to go from that to then I bought of Euphoria, and I liked it. I didn't love it, but then I think I got among the living then, and then went to state of euphoria and then kind of went, went from there, but it was just so, you know, at that time between that and then throwing out that uh, killer bees album, they were just a very different metal band.
1: Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. They're very unique. They definitely had their, their own sound to them. Nobody sounded like anthrax at the time. And, but yeah. And then, you know, then they, they fire Joey or he left depending on who you believe. And then John Bush enters and then they drastically change their sound again. Right. And also I, I I forgot to
2: mention the killer bees would kind of help seal it too, is the whole covering parasite. I was like, okay. And they also are crazy about kiss. You know what I mean? It was like this extra yeah. Yeah, they, cap or whatever, you know, their cover, their kiss covers are some of my favorites. Are you equal on them? Do you like the Bush era better? belladonna belladonna potato patata
1: i guess i go back and forth so i guess i'd have to say i like them equally because i mean there's been times where i'll listen to nothing but the bush era but there's also times i'll go back to the I, really they kind of made me a believer again with the it's kind of fun, pun intended with worship music i thought belladonna was fantastic on that oh yeah yeah but okay. uh I don't, I don't know how about you what do you do you have one that you like better than the other
2: I like a lot of both. I can I can tell you this much. Like, have you
1: seen them live before? Yes. I saw Well, I saw them with John Bush. I haven't seen them with Joey.
2: So I've seen them twice with Bush and three times with uh, Joey. And those last three times are just in the last couple of years. And while I really liked uh, def- definitely the most recent show that I saw with them, there's something missing. The fact that, you know, those four albums that we're going to talk about today – are nowhere, they don't play anything off them live. And when I saw them with Bush, both times still were better because they played everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would have to say I just like them equally.
1: I saw them with John Bush in Lawrence, Kansas at a place called the Granada. And I was like, God, that must have been 2000, 2001 or two, I think. Okay. I can't remember, can't remember what year. It was when I was living in Kansas City. And I made like an hour and a half drive to to see them. And there wasn't that many of us there. That was the saddest part. Sure. Yeah. And it was great though, right? Oh, they were amazing. Played a great set list. Like you said, they played, you know, they covered pretty much all eras. So I, you know, I had a ball and it was great to see them. I I still want to see them with Joey. They just, the, the time they've come here with Joey, I haven't been able to go.
2: Yeah. Like, um. Similar story on that was that I saw them in a little club in 2003 supporting "We've Come for You All," and that the concert I saw is the one that you that is filmed for that Weapons or or uh, Music of Mass Destruction DVD. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, it's a great DVD. It's it's basically the date before where they filmed that. Oh, okay. It's exactly the same set, and you know, two hours of just amazing rock. So.
1: You know, I, I guess, you know, it just depends on what day it is, but I mean, I, I just, I'm happy that I can be a fan that appreciates both eras of the band. Cause I know there's a lot of Joey hardliners that they don't look like any of the Bush stuff. And it was like, it seemed like a lot of fans just sort of just ditched them when Joey left the band and I'm sorry, but as we'll go through these things, they missed out on some great tunes. So let's crack into sound of white
2: noise. Now this album, you know, came out two years after the black album. It was kind of a mystery back in the day. I don't know if it was for you. Tell me what that was. I was never completely clear why that Joey all of a sudden left. Because all of a sudden they've got this notoriety. They were all on MTV with a whole, um, when it did Bring the Noise, right? With Public Enemy. Yep. And then all of a sudden, poof. poof it was like the biggest they would ever been. And then gone.
1: I really don't remember. I mean, I, I remember all there was a lot of rumors about it. Like that he was unhappy in the band or that the band were making decisions without him. And I don't know, or maybe they just wanted to modernize their sound and they were like, you know, the high pitched vocalists are, are kind of not in vogue anymore. So we got to get some that's got more of a gruff type, you know, vocal. So I don't know. I don't know the actual story because it varies on who you listen to. Sure.
2: Well, that's what I think it was. I mean, I think that's a real story. Is, is, it, it was kind of a, a weird thing. That was that it was either, it was kind of polarizing, I think, Joey's vocals. You either loved them or you would listen to Anthrax because of him. Wouldn't you say that's an accurate statement?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and for a metal band, Joey, I mean, let's face it, Joey really didn't fit. I mean, he right. was—he came from—he came from like a Steve Perry type of school. He was into Boston and Journey and all that stuff when they auditioned him. And it's kind of yeah. odd that he wound up in the band in the first place. But although I guess anything's better than Neil Turbin, I know that's going to piss off some of the old school fans. <laughs> piss off
2: me! I still have not heard that I, album. Uh, <laughs> I, I look. All it took for me was 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 the well uh, is for a band that has a, a bunch of
1: great album covers.
2: Fistful of metal is not a good album cover. Would why? Because
1: it looks like because it looks like a fifth grader druid?
2: <laughs> Just a guy. Hey guys, for our first album, I think Eddie Trunk had something to do with that album cover. What do you think? Well, he had something to do with everything, didn't he? Well, he did. He did. He signed him. He made him famous. And he said, "Hey guys, let's have a fist going through this guy's mouth, and that'll get you on the – the shelves at uh, Walmart,
1: right? I, well, I didn't tell you that the fist hitting the guy's face is actually from the Incredible Hulk. And then he jerked off right afterwards.
2: <laughs> I knew you were waiting for an Incredible Hulk, an entry point, somewhere to put that in here. Uh, I always love a good callback. Oh, God, the Hulk. Uh, I, I still am going with the fact that he would have actually ripped his dick off. Um, now
1: of course he would.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I don't know, though. He has Hulk dick. I know he does, but still, I mean, just the force. It doesn't matter what, what you're built of. If you have enough force, I think you can just, you know. If he's hulking out, it's gone. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you can Hulk slam a guy through the earth, then your dick stands no chance, really. <laughs>
2: I, think, I think that's good. That's Again, like I said, it's science.
1: Yeah, science. <laughs> Hulk smash!
2: Like you were saying, you we end up with kind of a mystery to this new singer. I don't even know if I knew that they had a new singer until all of a sudden that I heard only on the radio for the first time.
1: No, I knew about it. Um, cause I remember headbangers ball would, was making a big deal out of it for a while. Like during the time they were recording this record, cause they were, and they kept typing up like they've got armored St. Singer. And I was just like, who's armored. Who? Saint?" Yeah. Yeah. Right. I didn't, I, you know, and I didn't come to appreciate armored St. Till just a few years ago, but now I freaking love them. But, right. uh, But back then I had no idea and I was all into my hair metal. I was like, you know, who cares about Armored Sane? I've got White Lion. Um, I'll admit it. Uh, But but, uh, my best friend, though, who was a major Anthrax fan, he was very skeptical and he was just like, ah, they're not going to be the same without Joey and this isn't going to be very good. But boy, were all fears allayed when the uh, video for Only premiered on MTV and I was at his house and – we I remember us. We we couldn't wait to see it because it's like, what is what are these guys going to sound like? We get, you know, no Internet. You had no idea what it was going to be. Right. And we were both completely blown away by it. I mean, just is one of the best. And I'm going to say it's 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 more of a hard rock song than a metal song. It's sure. it, it's not a, really a metal song, but he's a diehard metal fan. But even he was just like, this is fucking good. And uh, and we couldn't wait to go out and buy the record after we saw the video.
2: No, I mean, like, that's been quoted many times, but uh, James Hetfield has, has said, you know, that's a, one of the, a perfect song, right? Yeah. A perfectly written song. It's got everything you need, all the right elements. And, you know, his, it, immediately I was, you know, drawn to his, uh, his voice and everything as, that you know, this is a game changer. And the other thing about it, too, was just that even, you know, you're hearing on the radio, I was like, this is easily the best sounding Anthrax song I've ever
1: heard right i think well i'll go as far as to say it might i still think it might be the best song the band's ever done
2: I think it's a sin the fact that they don't even pull. They, for a few years, the first two times I saw them with Joey, they played it, and then they dropped it. I don't get it. I, well, really get, I get the fact that it's it, Joey doesn't have the same voice for it, but come on, just sing a little lower. How is that not that the crowd not going to just every time I went, the crowd went nuts? But they no, yeah. just they have that whole just like the whole thing that drives me nuts about the whole eras of different bands like Kiss and everything. Just let's not play this section of our mm-hmm. history. So, but uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, it may be their best song of all eras.
1: Yeah, I think it is. I it's just, yeah, I'll never forget watching that video for the first time and just my jaw dropped. I just I couldn't believe how good it was. And although, you know, it, you know, it, things get spotty after this record, but we'll go into that as we go. Sure. Sound of White Noise is,
2: is one of my top albums of the 90s, period. doesn't matter. Like just from a production standpoint to, I could just put it on from Potter's Field all the way to to what, This Is Not an Exit, right?
1: Yeah, well, and even um, Black Lodge, which is a big departure for them, is a great song. It's incredible. Even they have like a remix version of it too that's
2: actually uh, good as well. I mean, just the point is like looking through this, I'm like picking a song. It's just an album. You know what I mean? Like it just flows. Like if you actually take the, it's one of those things like if you, like any great album, you take certain chunks away. I can't really pick and choose off of it. And the production from Dave Jordan, his work with I mean, I looking at his discography, I mean, there was a while when, even if it was a band that I wasn't that big of a fan of, I was I would at least check them out because he was the producer behind it. I mean, he'd not an Offspring fan that much, but the ones that he actually did with them are easily their best. You've got, you know, he did Alice in Chains and just when this came out, I, I just put on the headphones. I was just amazed. I think this is one of the big four's greatest produced
1: albums. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, looking at the track, Room for One More, that's another great one. I just, yeah, the whole thing's good. And then you had the bonus tracks with, uh, I, of course, I have a soft spot for the Cowboy song cover by Thin Lizzy. Yep. They do a great job on that one, too. And uh, Off Zane by Cheap Trick, that's great. I, I just, they were really at a good creative peak at this point. And, you know, I, I'm a Dan Spitz fan, I I've always loved his playing in the band. And you know, this was his last album with the band, which I thought was a shame because I, I wish he had stayed on board. Cause I love this, the solos that that guy would churn out. And if they could have kept this lineup together, I think it would have been a stronger decade for them.
2: No, I mean, it again, anthrax perfectly rated because they can't keep their shit together between labels, between, uh, band members. There's just something going on at the core of that band that, uh, that turns things against them. I mean, they had. And with that said, second single should have been Black Lodge.
1: Mm-hmm. What well, yes was the second? One. Oh, I, oh, I thought room, it was. There was a third more. Oh right, right, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I, Although I like it. They were probably a little nervous to put that one out second because it's a, it was so different than everything else. Strangely. Black Lodge actually got a lot of airplay here in Nashville when it was out. I do oh. remember that it was on all the time because I, I was in a in a band at the time. I was in high school playing in a band, and you know we'd always do Friday and Saturday night rehearsals, and we you know I'd be driving home at two o'clock in the morning, and that that for some reason that song would always come on super late at night. You'd have to say this is the most complete album of the Bush era. I'm going to start calling it the Bush administration. Ooh, I like that better than Bush Threx. I think that's what we're going to call this, Anthrax the Bush administration. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kind of funny that 9-11 and the Anthrax scare happened during the Bush administration too. That's true. That's true. Pretty Hmm. creepy. It's odd.
2: (laughs) Wow. it's getting deep here, Zach. I know. I realize this is a a comedy in rock. Uh, talk show where we talk about hulk jacking off right hulk smash right right out the gate they hit their their top album of this era but with that said there are some great things coming down the coming down the road here soon for them but but again this is their biggest selling album hitting gold i believe and that was it
1: should have done much better than that
2: yeah it just, it died quick. And then just two years later, I remember going at Purdue, going to this little CD store and convenience store called Discount Den. You could get the new releases for eleven ninety nine. That's a bargain, Chris. Yeah. You got that? that is a discount back in the day. And I was just in there, what's out this week? Didn't know, looking around. And then I saw this naked dude with a big thing of trash, <laughs> a big ball of trash on there. And... I was like, what the hell is this? And really small font in the corner, not their same logo, it says Anthrax. I'm like, huh, I didn't even know Anthrax had a new album out. I think I will go buy this. And I took it home, and that was Stomp 442. Uh, yeah, and it said the Butcher Brothers, who I know uh, – actually, did you know the Butcher Brothers produced one of your favorite bands, Criss Cross? Right, Chris?
1: <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. Okay. Did you know that though? Did you know that? No, I had no idea. I will say they're they're aptly titled because they butchered anthrax's sound on this record. Oh my god, dude. I'm
2: glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> um, I think that's it's it's uh perfectly advertised the fact that there's a big ball of trash on the cover. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and bef- yeah. before we go into this too, do you know where that album cover is is from? I found this today looking looking on their Wikipedia page.
1: I I don't know because I never uh, look at Wikipedia for any reason. <laughs> bullshit.
2: <laughs> Give me a break. If Wikipedia went down, Dustable Geek would be offline. Oh <laughs> for a second, you guys are excellent. I mean, if you imagine if you could make money reading reading from Wikipedia on a weekly basis, it would be a great life. Let me see. Here. That's what Patreon's for. Oh, Is that right? Okay. <laughs> Anthrax. Uh, you should have an extra special just. Uh, Aaron reads Wikipedia. You could have that as a sister episode to the Torpedo Dudes. You can bust my balls back, you realize. I'm going to. Don't worry okay, about good. it. Okay, good. <laughs> you're just like waiting. Yeah. The, the, you're like in the shadows ready to bounce. <laughs> my brain's working a little slow today,
1: so I'm having a hard time coming up with comebacks.
2: <laughs> okay, so here it is. So I'll just give you a little more information on the cover art. Now, I am reading from Wikipedia right now. In a 1996 interview, Bruce Dickinson revealed that that album cover for Stomp 442 was actually cover art done for his album Balls to Picasso. So that – that he passed on that one. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, so tell me. I mean when you found this album, did you know it was even coming out? Is there Because there's no
1: promotion. I did because of my best friend, who was a massive Anthrax fan, and uh, and I was at this point after Sound of White Noise, I was a huge Anthrax fan, and Metal Edge was hyping it early on, <clears throat> saying how it was going to be this amazing follow up to Sound of White Noise, and you know here's the date that it comes out, and me and him went down to the Sam Goody record store back when those still existed, and bought it on release day, and got in the car, put the cassette in and we're kind of like man this just isn't as good and i mean just kind of immediately the set, the production is just god awful on this thing it's i don't know what the hell they i don't know if they were trying to sound like a grunge band if that was the the aim but it just doesn't work i mean there is there are good riffs on this thing there's good so, there's a few good songs on it um, but it just it it sounds like a very misguided confused album to me
2: no, I just think the songs aren't very good. I I remember trying to like it at first, like Random Acts of Senseless Violence, maybe King Size, and feel. Probably the first three songs are, I don't know, the first few are the the best. American Pompeii is okay. I don't know. I just the
1: second half definitely sucks. Um, There's one song on the second half I like a lot, but the I mean the one that I that I picked as my pick for this is Fueled. I think it's by far the best song on the record. Uh, not to say that it's amazing or anything, but it's, it's probably the most cohesive tune on the record. The other one I would pick would be tester. I think that one's okay. But when I'm saying that one's okay and it's one of my picks, that's not a good sign.
2: <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Like this one did not, I mean, whew. I'm I, maybe they just heard it and just didn't promote it. I don't know what it is. Cause at this point that was, they were still on Electra and then they were, it, they were gonzo. Like it, Basically, after this hit the streets, they were gone.
1: Uh, yeah, Electra didn't do anything to promote this. I don't I know. I don't, like I said, if it wasn't for my best friend, you know, salivating over the fact that it was coming out, I wouldn't have known because otherwise I saw other than Metal Edge and a little bit on Headbangers Ball, I saw really nothing for this record. And, oh. and they brought in Paul Crook to play lead guitar. I'm not real crazy about his playing on this, um, but as we go further to the next one, I I have much better things to say about him. And then this is also the beginning of the trend of having Dimebag play on their records. I,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, he plays on, I think it's King size and writing shotgun. Uh, his solos are great, but the songs are just not that good, you
2: know? No. And actually King size is actually, Oh, okay. It's all, all the music is by Charlie. Every yeah. single song is by Charlie on this one. They're not any co-writes actually. That's interesting. And then yeah, it's all he, just he, random. Uh, they yeah. randomly change whoever's on on lead. Crook and dime bag. That was odd. It was like this, like just revolving door of whoever the fuck was playing lead.
1: Yeah, and it's, as we go further in, you'll even Charlie plays lead on some stuff. So <laughs> right. he's he's kind of the the Svengali of the band, I guess.
2: Yeah. And Back in the day, I, I didn't know he was playing guitar. You know, I didn't. I don't. Did you know then? No, I just assumed he was just the drummer the whole time. Just a a dude that plays the drums and likes comic books. That's all I knew.
1: Yeah, it's a a strange record, and I did go back today and listen to it again. Like, let me see if this resonates with me anymore, and it just really didn't. I mean, first, like you said, the first two or three songs, I'm kind of like, okay, it's not not as bad as I remember, and then it it was just kind of downhill from there. and right. Like the song in a zone is terrible perpetual motion. I don't like, uh, drop the ball. Isn't any good. And then it ends with this ballad. At least least that one's, at least that one's aptly titled. That's true. Um, and then it ends with this thing called bear. That is, it's like a total, let's, let's make a grunge ballad is what that is. And it, it doesn't work it's just uh yeah it hasn't aged well i know there's some fans that just love this record but it's one of those that this is one of those where it's kind of like um every at least once a year i'll try to listen to cheap tricks the doctor and convince myself that it's good and it never happens
2: Some revisionist history too, you know. I I do like how Scott Ian, you know, the spokesperson, uh, the talking head for for the band, always, you know, he's basically a uh, a bit of a politician because he always like at this time he bashed the the success of this in interviews around the time of the fact that John Bush just didn't didn't bring his game and his vocals do kind of suck on this album too. The whole it, thing kind of sucks.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a half baked thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But come I hate to on, say man. Because I, I love Anthrax, but yeah, I mean, I'll, but if something's bad, I'll say it's bad. I don't, the, the one, was it the latest one, For All Kings? I didn't think it was very good either. Nope. There
2: is one song that was a rewrite of uh, In the End, whatever that was, mm-hmm. that long, whatever their epic was in their most lazy, like everything was kind of like a rewrite of whatever worship music was great, that wasn't as good.
1: Well, worship music actually had full songs. For All Kings has, like, okay, we have an idea and a half. There's a song, and it just yep. they, they don't make the. The only thing great about For All Kings to me is Jonathan Danaeus' lead playing. I think he's amazing on it, but the the songs are just not there. Yeah, they're not there. The, the good thing, the only thing about good about For All Kings is it had
2: they had at least two intermissions. I could take a piss whenever they play live now, when they play those songs. Volume eight. The threat is real. So here goes another one. Where for years, you know, again, this is the the time of. I don't even think Metal Edge. did Metal Edge exist anymore? <laughs> they did. <laughs> yeah. Like like in 1998, I think I I think I still looked at that. Or I mean, Circus is probably gone. What, what would you read to find out when the new Anthrax album was coming out?
1: I was. I still had a subscription to Metal Edge at this time, and I remember them promoting this next record. And but it's not the Jerry Miller years, so you got no pictures of Joey Allen and Janie Lane's birthday parties. But <laughs> it was the the Paul Gargano years, where it was trying to be more modern.
2: This must have been where I knew about this album then, because I do remember Metal Edge continuously getting thinner and thinner.
1: If I yeah. if I
2: uh, recall, uh, it more was more and more, more ads, a lot of ads, right? <laughs> Yeah, and
1: way more black and white pages.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's and it, I that was it because I'm now you you got my memory going. So I remember seeing the album cover which you know, with transition. This album cover is badass. You know what I mean? Like I think it's got everything you need from Anthrax from the cart from their whole cartoon uh like I always like State of Euphoria, too.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm.
2: You a fan yeah. of this album cover or don't like it?
1: No, I like this one. This is I have a huge soft spot for this record. I yeah. this this one made this one got me completely back into the band, even though nobody gave a shit by this point. Like it, it, it got no it was on Ignition Records, which I think the I think the company went under right as the album got released. If I if I remember hearing right, is there and anything else by Ignition you've ever heard? They they were working with some of the older like heritage rock and metal bands. I can't okay. remember okay. any names right off the, the bat. But they so they're like a Spitfire. Yeah, very similar to Spitfire. You know, was, you know, it was probably operated out of some dude's apartment. Sure. But um but yeah, this came out in ninety eight and uh I uh I love this record. I and I liked it from day one and every my best friend who was the Anthrax fan had Stomp four four two kind of ended it for him. He mm-hmm. he's he's just like I don't care for this and then I tried to play this one for him and he's just like, Ah, they they're just doing rock songs, they're not even a metal band anymore. And I'm kinda like, Yeah, but it's cool though. <laughs> You know it's. Um, although there there is some goofy stuff on this record. I mean, let, let's not let, let's tide. It first. first. Uh, well, Hawk Tide's one of my favorite tunes on it. it is It is stupid, but um, which but is the one good.
2: about which is the one about a, a like Godzilla like stomping, like going over the Hudson River. <laughs>
1: I do want to mention, though, that did you know that there's um, before the song Hogtide, start, Hogtide Starts, there's a uh, cameo by Mark Jacchini from Three Sides of the Coin. Really? He's eating chips? Yeah, there's a guy eating chips. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he got to
2: start, I heard. Are you sure he didn't do the intro for Again Idiot? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Chris, my erasure well-worn because I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the royalties in this album didn't didn't help that much.
1: Yeah, not really. <laughs> and then there's a song called 604 that's 35 seconds long and it's just about a, a fat chick named Katrina. Oh, I know that one.
2: Yeah, there's <laughs> that one. There's that silly cup of joe. This album The thing that's kind of cool is um this album is sort of a more straightforward version of Attack of the Killer Bees, in a way. You know what I mean? Like it has I mean, it has a little of I guess what I'm saying is that they throw a bunch of silly anthrax of old stuff into some amazing rock songs too right the Ignitions
1: they're on Ignition Records so at this point they're like let's just make whatever the fuck we want to make
2: right like Toast to the Extras I think is a straightforward Attack of the Killer Bees type song
1: yeah well it's it's kind of a it's kind of a bash thing on their uh, either their road crew or people that are hangers on Oh, be, yeah. I mean, I the lyrics are. John Bush is kind of slamming people that follow the around. now.
0: Swimming on the surface, it's a hell of a lot safer up here. Ain't prepared to dive, but I cover all my darkest fears. This ain't no covert operation. being will
1: Um, but uh, if, to pick, I mean, there are a lot of good songs. Like the Phil Anselmo does a cameo on Killing Box, which is a pretty cool track. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha Male is a good song. My favorite song on it, and in, to this, it was when I bought it, and it still is, is Catharsis. I think this song, and it's definitely just a rock song. It's not a metal song in the least, but it's so well constructed. Bush's lyrics are great. The melodies are great. The riffing is great. I, I love everything about Catharsis.
2: No, this is a solid album, and I remember picking it up too, and it took a while for me even to find the damn thing because no regular stores had it. I think I got like a – I may have had to actually order this. That's when you know you're a big Anthrax fan, when you have to tell the guy or any music fan, right? Because back in the day you'd say, hey, man, I need this album. Nobody else wants it, but I do.
1: Yeah, I ordered it through the mail. Wow, okay. Yeah, I remember. I and I think it was from Metal, Metal Edge. I think they had an ad to, to order it through – I can't remember, like you send off a check. I think that's how it worked. But 98, though, this was a very hazy time for me because I was doing a a number of things (laughs) I couldn't be doing. Um, I'll just say that the the eight ball on the cover was very fitting for the things I was going through. Nice. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I don't I don't like I don't like cocaine, I just love the way it smells.
0: I don't drink brass monkey, like monkey, the beat funky. Monkey. Nickname Easy e, yo Easy Eight e, Ball e, Junkie. E, 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 e. Bass drum kick in and show my shit. Rapin hole in my dick, boy. I don't quit, cry, rockin' motherfucker from around the way I got a sick shooter, yo mean I'm brave. Rollin through the hood to find the boys. I send cups, crank up some noise. Police on my draws, I have to pause. 40 ounce in my lap and it's freezing my balls. I hook the right turn and let the boys go past. Then I say to myself, they can kiss my ass. Hit to get drunk, got the eight in my lips. Put in the old tape, mark the traders greatest hits. Turn the shit up, have the bass, corrupting. Cruising through the east side, south of Compton. face and the business was to the curve to the on my tap for the title I'm holding easy ease fucked up and got the eight ball rolling. I was kicking ass. I was in LA. I was, I was down the street in my six much,
2: Yeah, since the the moment I heard it though, the song I thought was really unique and you know, kinda of new metal, that just, just just this crunch to it was Inside Out track three. And just the lyric, too. I thought I knew what provocation was. I've eaten from the insane root that imprisons reason. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds badass.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like old Jim Morrison lyrics where it's like, this makes no sense, but it sounds cool. Right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and uh, I assume, being a fan, you've seen the somehow they got funding to make a actually a pretty cool video for this song.
1: Yeah. It's been a long time since I've watched it, but I do remember it. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking about my,
2: my memory of 20 years ago thinking that it was cool that they redid the Twilight Zone Shatner uh, nightmare at 30,000 feet.
1: Yeah, which is pretty legendary. And I, I, I always appreciate that about the Anthrax guys. Is they always would wear their influences on their sleeve and, and pull out references and callbacks to things that they grew up on, which I always appreciated. Yeah. Just it's it holds up. I I still go back to this record pretty often. It's funny that it was recorded at Krusty's Fun House in Yonkers. Door. <laughs> of course, you're not reading that on Wikipedia, are you? I, I had a committed memory. I'm telling you. <laughs>
2: Right. So now five years have passed. It is, we have survived Y2K, right? Yep. Yep. And it's 2003. And Metal Edge, I'm just going to call it, I'm going to say it's gone.
1: By that point, I think it was.
2: Because this is one of the first couple albums that I was part of, like, finding out about it online like either from from actually i'd moved from metal edge to metal sludge at this point yeah me too okay so yeah. now we've we've moved online i think that there is at this point i don't know even know how advertising was done back in the early 2000s online or anything like that, but i remember being aware that this album was coming out only from that kind of promotion and yeah. uh, does that sound familiar to you too
1: well yeah and also the the dime bag daryl thing i remember getting a lot of play online even though it wasn't a new thing for anthrax to do that It still it still got headlines of you know dime daryl to appear on new anthrax record i remember that that got a lot of traction through some sites i followed but yeah i remember i bought this on release day too and i was not disappointed in this one no
2: and and the thing that i love too is this may be my favorite album cover by them oh it's amazing Yeah. yeah you think yeah, I think it's awesome. It's one of the best ones I've had, and they're they're pretty solid in this. And it, it kind of combined, you know. It was it's this. I don't know if it's the have they used the same artist
1: multiple times. Uh, this was this was a guy named Alex Ross. I don't know if he did the other ones or not. I know the the last few records have been the same artist. I don't know if it's this guy though. I just because I, I don't look at Wikipedia or anything, so I couldn't tell you. Uh huh and i i believe this is the first appearance of
2: the the a slash uh pentagram. Yeah, i think it was. Which i thought was just badass too.
1: Yeah, this is i mean this this is probably the most cohesive record they put out since Sound of White Noise. Easily. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Volume 8 was Volume 8 was great and fun and again it's a solid album. Uh, obviously, we've already said our thoughts about Stomp Four Four Two, but <laughs> but the the one of the first things that hit me on this too was they were on a basically no label, right? They they're on oh Sanctuary, so basically no label,
1: and but the production
2: sounded fucking great
1: again. Yeah, it, well, you can thank Rob Caggiano for part of that too,
2: and that was that was interesting to find out about him much later on of why going back to if you're a Volbeat fan all of a sudden realizing and and the damn things and and production he's done you know after that coming back you realize why
1: yeah he's i mean he's a great guitar player but he he knows production to a T and yep and he was you could tell he was a big part of this sound especially with everything he's done since then but yeah i mean i remember listening to this for the first time and just being taken aback by how big it sounded like everything this is the biggest sounding album they did since Sound of White Noise easily.
2: Yeah, one, one of the biggest sign they've they've put out. Period. I mean, you, if you listen, one of the reasons that worship music is so great is because Rob Casjone produced that too.
1: I think yep. sonically,
2: uh, and these two are very similar in
1: in that sound. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's right. and, and this is one where I and like my I keep going back to my friend who I grew up with that was the Anthrax fan. <laughs> I bought Steve. this on yeah steve um actually his name is wes but i uh, i bought this on release day <clears throat> and immediately went to his apartment and was like you got to hear this because I, I gave the whole thing a full spin and the song that i picked is what i tried to turn him on to with it and that's uh nobody knows anything because he was my best friend growing up but he was also the drummer in my band when i was in high school and charlie was like his hero all the, at that time and i was just like if you don't listen to any other song on this record, I want you to hear this one. And I played that one for him and he was very impressed with it. He just cuz he's just like that's the drumming I've been wanting to hear since since, you know, sound of white noise and yep. And Charlie puts on a fucking clinic in that song.
2: All I know is going to ask you. Is, so they always kind of they always start off their albums with, with a thrash number in the in the Bush era. So, what doesn't die? This one, Crush, and you know nothing on the stop four for two. We'll just forget about that one, or Potter's Field of those three. Which is your best? Uh, what doesn't die? It's a split. I, I was. I'm going to go Crush.
1: Okay, I like but, Crush
2: too, but I like this one better. But I understand that you're not a safe home fan.
1: Don't like it. Never have. Um... It's you don't okay. even like.
2: You don't even like watching Keanu Reeves walk around in the video. I like it less because of that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that about? That's such weird. I'm like they're 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 completely off, you know, uh, off any major label, and just randomly Keanu Reeves is a fan <laughs> he just decides to be in that video.
1: I don't know what that was about, but I it it was definitely a terrible choice for a single. It's like <clears throat> you think really think radio is going to pick up an Anthrax song that you know that late in the game and. You know, just put out something that that causes you to bang your head and be done with it. You don't Understood. need to put a, don't put a ballad. It's not a not a bad song. It's just not. I'm just not particularly crazy about it. No, it's not. It's no Black Lodge. I hear you. Right. Uh, what what are your favorites on this one? Man, uh,
2: I remember that they said that they they did a complete Kiss vibe with Cadillac Rock Box, which I didn't catch at first, but then I do hear kind of that kind of. That classic kiss-ish riff. fun song, taking the music back. The fact that Roger Daltrey actually does that scream on it. like, again, yeah. how do you have Roger Daltrey on this album at this point in your career? Um, I guess he wasn't doing anything then either, but you know, <laughs>
1: right? I think that song
2: is amazing. Yeah. I, and that's a great song too. You got um, even funny names like strap it on. And, <laughs> I, like you said, that, that that drum clinic with nobody knows anything. I, I the only song I really don't like on this album is superhero.
1: Yeah, that one's that one's kind of meh. And
2: again, this one sold. I think it said that it was they did really well because it sold eighty thousand. You know, now nowadays you'd be thrilled selling eighty thousand. Period. Um, but I think it sold eighty thousand out the gate, and then it was done. I think it sold a hundred thousand total, is what it says, and it was out, it was over. Wow. It's a shame. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Between <clears throat> this and Volume Eight; these are the those these are the two missing albums. That's that it's a sin if people just don't know if they're Anthrax fans and they've just dismissed them. Foolish.
1: Well, that's the, that's the saddest thing is you know there's a lot of people, probably people that we both know that have never heard these records or even given them a shot. And I don't know. It's it, both records deserve so much more. That's the only thing with Anthrax, which you know, as we've said, you know they they are professionals at shooting themselves in the foot and taking attention away from them because of some of these decisions they make. Um, But it's just a shame that it's, it's one of those bands that I think deserved a much bigger audience than what they got, but, you know, they kind of bring it on themselves with some of these decisions and, you know, we're not even going to touch the Dan Nelson year, I guess. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing is that, that they,
2: you know, they were so supportive of John Bush that they re-recorded all their classics, The Greater Two Evils, and when that didn't do well, they just ditched them and went back with, <laughs>
1: with Joey for a reunion tour, right? Well, you know, they – well, when Dan Nelson – like I got heard that maybe Joey left – I can't – it's so hard to keep track because they flip-flop singers all the time that there was a period of time where they – and John Bush said in an interview that they actually did come back to him and said, we want you to be the singer again, and he was just like, too little, too late, guys. I'm not doing it. Well,
2: that was after, I believe, the old Dan Nelson, then trying yeah. to get... Then they tried to get Bush to do worship music, and then they said, fine, fuck it. Let's just do Joey, and he ended up knocking it out of the park.
1: Yeah. Thankfully for them. But yeah. yeah, but they wanted John to come back, and John makes more money doing the voice of the Burger King guy than he did in Anthrax. Which is an amazing story.
2: And he just likes doing Arm Saint. By the way, I should mention, too, I had not heard Symbol of Salvation, Armored Saint, until about two years ago when... Um, wind hands down came out and they started going back in the Armored catalog since I love that album. Yeah. And, and I did not know, have you noticed what a similar sound it's, it's also produced by Dave Jordan that, that that album has to sound a white noise. I've never a beat them, but I'll do it. You gotta AB them. I mean, it is, it is, they absolutely heard that album and because they were, they were not, they were not a band that sold records. So I didn't, I wasn't even really aware of him or John Bush, like you were. You're like, who's Armored Saint? And right. That is actually a very close template to what Sound of White Noise is in vibe, s- the sonics, everything. So A, B it. That's your little your little homework.
1: I, yeah, for, for this I mean, I, I love both albums, but I haven't really like tried to com- compare and contrast the production, but I'll definitely do that.
2: Yeah. there's definitely They definitely got what they were looking for is all I'm saying. No, they don't rip off Armored Saint, but there's a lot of similarity to what they were going for
1: so and our uh, armored saint yeah not to change subject too much but you know that's another band if you haven't checked them out enough you know do so um i spun something off delirious nomad this past week and man there's just so much good material from those guys you know they're they're another hidden gem of metal you know i i still hope that maybe one day they'll do something with anthrax will do something with john bush again but you know i don't know it seems like the no. personality clashes and the egos are probably not going to allow that to happen and they're I mean, honestly, Joey's their meal ticket. They're going to make more money with Joey as it is. If you were hearing this, Chris, what is the, what is the message
2: we are trying to tell people for, for this era? You've probably heard sound of white noise, but what do they need to do after this episode is over?
1: First? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we both appreciate volume eight and with all its quirks, but if you're new to the band and, or, or all you know is Sound of White Noise from the Bush administration, um, yes. I would probably do We've Come For You All next. That'd be probably a good one to kind of ride into. Agreed. Then do, then do Volume 8 and then ignore Stomp 442. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Those are your instructions. Yeah. I mean, we, we played something off Stomp 442 today. That's really all you need to hear. <laughs> That's correct.
2: All right, Chris, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So before we get out of here, I'm going to actually give you honors and you get to pick another track from We've Come For You All. And But before we do that, tell the listeners a little bit more about Rock and Pod Expo.
1: Okay, Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, <clears throat> Friday, August 9th, Saturday, August 10th. Friday will be the pre-party. Um, at, all of us happening at the National Airport Marriott. Pre-party with the Rock and Roll Residency. It's going to be a great, awesome show. Saturday, the Rockin' Pod Expo with uh, Michael Sweet from Striper, Brian Forsythe from Kicks, Jason Miller from Saigon Kick, Jack from Exodus, Erie Vaughn from Danzig. And best place to go, go to rockinpod.com, get your tickets. Also, you can book a discounted hotel room there and just stay on site all weekend. Dr- drink all you want, don't worry about driving, and uh, we'll take care of you. And, uh, yeah, th- I mean, that's basically the broad strokes. And, uh, and if you can't make it to Nashville and you want to help donate to the cause, Go to rockandpod.com. We'll go to the ticketing link, and there will be a donation button there, and you can uh, you can help us out. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Looking forward to seeing you and Baco back in Nashville in August. And I, I think we're gonna have a good time.
2: Oh yeah, rock and roll party of the year. Looking forward to it. Thanks for organizing such a uh, such an event. I mean, the fact that it actually is has become a reality, you now in its third year is just it's kind of mind blowing. I mean, and, and and again, also thanks for inspiring. Uh, myself to waste my time doing this in my basement uh, on a weekly basis and, um, you know, uh, avoiding my family.
1: Well, dare to dream. That's right. (laughs) How many other ones are, have you spawned? Would you say? Uh, I don't know. I've lost count of all my illegitimate bastard children. (laughs) As you should. Oh man. But no, I mean, you're all legitimate. I promise.
2: You know, Uh all right.
1: I took, I took your mom's out to dinner first. Hey now, good
2: steak dinner. I hope.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, okay. you know, si- Sizzler, but, you know, it's not mm-hmm. the some...
2: <laughs> Hopefully this, they had good sneeze guards there.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I've, I've got Rock and Pod, money. I don't have that much to go on. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't Shoney's? Rock's not dead. But it was an inside job by the Bush administration.
2: Start with, you know, just kind of talking about, you know, Borscht versus Belladonna and Belladonna. It, <laughs> Belladonna, <joy>, Belladonna George <laughs> Belladonna, Belladonna. It's all it's potato, patata. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Lee Roth and Laura Roth. Exactly.
2: And I man, I've been yeah. hanging around with Baco too much.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I don't know the to pronounce things anymore. Arr, hello, mateys. This is Michael Sweet of Stripe I'm looking forward to seeing ya at the Rockin' Pod Expo. But first, here's a quick joke. Why were the attendees of Firefest mad when they got a lettuce salad? Because they were promised arugula!